Remember, for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. Kaepernick, end jump, Crabtree, broken up, picked off! This game is over! Well, I'm the best corner in the game! When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're gonna get! Don't you ever talk about me! L.O.B. He wants to get in the fight, you can't do that! The quarterback, you can't fight! All right, you're very welcome along to Off The Walls NFL Podcast. Joining us this week are Sam Monson of PFF and Kian Fahey. He writes about football for Football Outsiders, Football Guys and many more. We will have Donnie along later on for mixed picks and some fantasy nonsense. But taking his place as the rabid Brady is innocent one-eyed Patriots fan is Mick McCarthy, or better known as APM. You're all very welcome, especially you, Mick. Thanks, sir. Well, you're not really welcome, but the no. other two lads are particularly welcome. Sam, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty excited that um, football season has kicked off, although... Not particularly brilliantly for the 49ers so far. Um, Keen, how are you getting on? Uh, I'm just wondering what fantasy site are we sponsored by? Uh, none yet. We haven't got a DraftKings or FanDuel thing sorted out, but we can uh, we can do that if if the DraftKings people are... Maybe we, we'll set up our own one-week fantasy. Well, the problem is that betting is legal in Ireland, so that's why it hasn't taken off here, I think. Uh, this is just a way for them all to, uh, to get into it. Anyway, this is week three is down. Uh, this time last year... Sam, you were in the midst of um, inflaming the internet with your Tom Brady might be uh, no longer the force that he used to be. This time, this week, uh, this year, PFF are inflaming the internet with um, some Aaron Rodgers. Oh, actually, you know, maybe we need to look at his performance with a few different ways here this week. How's that, how's that all going for you? Yeah, fantastic. I spent all week having uh, flashbacks and, you know, Pavlovian reaction to the whole thing. <laughs> the good thing is, though, I didn't do it this time. It was somebody else. I didn't even do the game. Not my fault. <laughs> uh, for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, um, you guys rate quarterbacks in a very different way from uh, QBR or any of the other old statistics that people would have used. And um, in Aaron Rodgers' last game, he actually, I think, finished up with a, a negative rating. Is that right? Yeah, so he ended up with an average grade. We're, essentially, we grade quarterbacks on a, a throw-by-throw basis. It's not a, it's not a statistic. It's not a metric. It doesn't come out from numbers. It's, it's through going through a quarterback's play and grading him on every single play, plus or minus, um, with zero being a, an average grade. So he ended up with a, a slightly below zero grade, which is an average grade. When we did our all twenty-two checks as, as part of the process during the. Uh, the, the week, he, it moved slightly up into a, a positive, but still an average grade. Um, and yeah, the bottom line is we were just trying to say that, yeah, he threw five touchdown passes, but even if you just looked at those touchdown passes, like three of them were passes that you could have made to, to round ah, the top no, in the on. flat. Even you, even you <laughs> could have made these touchdown passes. Um, you know, Randall Cobb had to fight through contact to get into the end zone on, on I think, two of them. Um, and then there was the, you know, a, a a pass that could easily have been picked off, probably should have been. Um, a fumble that was a poor play, even though it was uh, negated on a penalty. So he wasn't great in that game. I'm, I'm happy to maintain that. I think he was, you know, okay. And if you start adding in the intangible stuff, he was better than okay. But it was far more a victory for coaching. Um, you know, in particular, Kansas City's coaching being terrible, just lining up in, in cover one all day and saying, go ahead, beat this. 
um, than it was Aaron Rodgers being amazing. And, you know, the important thing I think to point out is that Aaron Rodgers is regularly amazing in our system. Um, I think week one he had a, a, an absolutely monstrous grade. Is still one of the, the top-graded quarterbacks even after the average one. The thing is that um, the first week he actually put in one of his best ever performances, as you've just said, but that has kind of conditioned everybody to assuming that he's performing at the same level every week because the results are the same and maybe people don't fully understand exactly what you're doing, but there's nothing like a controversy to um, to bring it out into the light, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. No one said uh, all publicity is good publicity, right? Yeah, do you believe that now, having uh, <laughs> having been on the, the sharp end of the internet twice? I don't think it does us any harm long term, but it's certainly not exactly fun. Yeah, um, Kim, it, sh- it should be noted that this is the same game that uh, Rogers' backup described him as Michael Jordan of uh, American football. So it's like you know, I'm all for stats and analysis, but you know, it's the football people know football. That's uh, yeah, Michael Jordan. Um, <laughs> Kim, what do you think of um, what Rogers is doing, and more importantly, what do you think is he going to do this weekend when he has the absolutely terrible San Francisco 49ers to face? Oh, well, this weekend probably isn't even worth talking about. They're going to cut through them so easily unless we get something completely bizarre, which does happen in the NFL from time to time. But that 49ers team just looks awful, and Rodgers has been on a different planet these days. I, I think the, the best way to describe Rodgers over the last... Since about week three last year, actually, since around this time last year, I think they were one and two or one and three when they just lost to the Lions. He did that famous relaxed quote. But since that point, he's been so far ahead of any other quarterback in my eyes. That it's you look at what Brady has done for the first three games this year. He's been brilliant in the first three games this year, much better than he was at any other point last year, even including the playoffs. And Rodgers has kind of been doing what Brady's been doing for three games for about twelve months. So that, that's kind of the way I, I can only put it into uh, into context. He just we expect him to be great all the time. So when he is great, it's not really a story. When he's criticised a little bit, like the PFF gang uh, criticised him this week, it's a huge story because he's that good. And it, it's the kind of thing where we're going to look back and probably. 10 years and go he was unbelievable and he might actually be the top one or the top quarterback ever and we never really really appreciated it even though we say how great he is Keen, how good is his supporting cast this year because they like they've been obviously so dominant this year and Roger so far but they have they've had an easy enough start like I mean we don't have um, Nelson that doesn't seem to have done much damage so far you've got like the likes of James Jones coming back and suddenly being a superstar because he's got Rodgers do they have the team around that can sustain this kind of level of dominance as the year goes on I think they can sustain the dominance uh, during the regular season but when you start playing better teams in the playoffs losing a guy like Jordy Nelson is going to be huge because Nelson Nelson draws attention he is the kind of guy who can beat any kind of cornerback he's like a lot of people will say he's just a guy because of Aaron Rodgers but that's not really the case like Rodgers can carry guys like James Jones who's a decent player but not nothing special guys like Devante Adams Ty Montgomery who I don't even think is much of a receiver at all but he's still going to produce because of Aaron Rodgers uh my, my bigger concern is actually at left tackle where David Bakhtiari I don't really rate him that highly he's had a few stupid penalties this year I don't think he stands up well to uh, to strength or to or to sorry to power rushes or to speed rushes in space uh I, I think Rodgers makes him look a lot better than he is so your concern is if they can slow down the receivers and force Rodgers to hold on to the ball something he does quite a bit when, when you go against better teams can they exploit that specific matchup I think that's kind of where you're, you're concerned but it, it really is minor nitpicking because he is simply that good and he is good enough to elevate everyone around him. Yeah, I guess the problem here is that it's very early in the season for everybody to be peaking. So it, the same kind of question for the Pats here, Sam. Um, Pats have been absolutely outstanding for the first three weeks. They're coming off a Super Bowl. Is it possible that they can do this? I mean, February 
It's a very long way away. Is it possible that they and the Packers can arrive in a Super Bowl in February playing the way they are now? Yeah, I don't see why not. Um, their offensive system is really clever. They're, they don't have the best pass protection in the world. That offensive line is still not great. But Brady is getting the ball out quicker than any other quarterback in the NFL by a reasonable margin. Um, they're just not giving anybody the time to get to him. And they're so they're so good and so sharp at that quick, short passing game that they can almost run the entire offense straight to that, just killing people with a thousand paper cuts. The question for them is going to be the defense because it's still not a great unit. They're still they're way down on where they have been in years past. And, you know, there's a lot of pieces there that are not playing well and need to, to step it up for them to to sustain this long term because sooner or later somebody is going to come along that can actually cope with that offense and limit it to you know a reasonably quiet day and when that happens the defense is going to have to step up and actually show that they can prevent the opposition scoring how do they do that though how do they get better in the middle of the season i mean are we looking at them bolstering the cast that they have somehow by trading or finding somebody on the street like they've done in the past what happens here no, I mean, some of it is, is young players that just haven't bedded in yet. Malcolm Brown is, is a talented guy. He graded really well for us last season in college, but he's just not been at the races yet in the NFL. He's been getting controlled way too too much in the run game, hasn't been the same level of, of dominant guy that he has. I think he'll get better over the course of the year. Um, Dominic Easley is kind of flashing ability, but has, has been nicked up and injured, and they can't seem to keep him on the field. If they can keep him on the field, he is a guy that can really penetrate and disrupt in a backfield and, and kind of make an impact that way. I think they have some players that will get better over the course of the year. Um, it's just a case of whether they'll get better or in, whether they'll improve enough to be a real factor. It's been a consistent thing, though, with the Patriots, hasn't it, that their defense looks a little bit dodgy at the start of the year and you don't think they have the pieces in, in place, but then Belichick just makes those corrections as the year goes on. It's kind of like, you know, if you have ten, if, the, if the Patriots have 10 days to prepare for a quarterback, they'll do well. It, it sort of, that happens throughout the season, really, doesn't it? I think a lot of it is that they don't have a set system. You know, the way Rob Ryan or Rex Ryan has a defensive system, wherever they go, they'll bring that with them, and then they'll try and stick the pieces into that system and try and make it work. Belichick, I honestly don't think, has a preferable defensive system. He'll have a game plan every single week for whoever he's playing, and it'll change. Um, and he looks for players that are versatile and can do a multitude of different things, and then they'll be able to do that. They'll be able to switch from defensive system game on game and make it work that way. And I think every year it probably takes them a while to work out what everybody's best at. And, you know, with the turnover in NFL rosters, it takes them a while to figure out that, okay, this system is not going to do well for, you know, Chandler Jones. It's not a good idea to stick him as a 3-4 end. It's just not going to work. So we won't do that again over the course of the year. I think they just get better at understanding exactly who's in the team and, and what they can do. Um, Keen, I just that same question, I suppose, about uh, whether or not teams can sustain the level of, of uh, perfection that they're approaching at the moment. Um, it, it really, in the NFL, I suppose, most of it is to do with injuries. And if, if the Pats and the Packers don't have any more serious injuries beyond the normal kind of percentage that you would expect in the NFL then maybe there is no reason to expect that the performance will dip given the quality of individuals that we're talking about here. In the Pats case, we're talking about Gronkowski and um, Tom Brady and Belichick. And for the Packers, it's really on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. Well, for those two, two teams in particular, I don't think it's all that interesting a question because 
they've proven that they, they are high quality and they've proven that they can beat high quality opposition. But if you look at two other teams who are kind of flying high at the moment in the Bengals and the Cardinals, I think that's where you, you kind of look at the idea of is can this be sustainable because the Cardinals have played three teams who might be the, amongst the worst five in the league and they've blown the three of them out. The Bengals have looked dominant on offense because their offensive line receivers are just, uh, no one can match up to them. So I'd be kind of concerned about those two teams sustaining their success. But when you look at the Patriots, they just adapt and evolve. Sam was talking about it on the defensive side, but you can see it in the offense as well. When they get in the red zone, they they come in with uh, Gronk and um, Scott Chandler as their other tight end. And they'll come in tight. And if the defense comes out in a certain look, they'll run the ball. If they don't come out, or they come out in a, a different look, they'll spread, spread the field and pass the ball. And they, so they're adapting to what the defense is doing rather than setting up their own offense and doing what they have to do and what they want to do. So Belichick's going to do that for 16 games. He's going to do it in the playoffs, and they're going to constantly be successful, especially because they're in the AFC, which is the weaker conference. And with the Packers, the only thing you're really concerned about is an injury to Aaron Rodgers. And that that sounds way too simple, and it sounds like, well, he's one guy of 53 on a roster, but he's just that good that it's that's all you have to really be concerned about. Yeah, even on one leg, he was brilliant last year. Just while we're still talking about uh, the Packers and contenders in general, I think a really big issue with the Packers this year is that division is normally a killer. They're normally like, you know, they, they have a, a game or two that, that goes wrong for them, and they end up at 10-6 and six and getting a... Um, getting a wild card place or something like that they're going to win that division going backwards this year it's going to be like Detroit have fallen off a cliff Chicago are terrible Minnesota I don't think are going to be like sustain any good form that they have so I think they're just going to win that division easy and that really should help them going into the playoffs yeah maybe the Vikings might be a bit better than, uh, than that but we'll see it's w- normally a lot more competitive though I do want to talk about um, the, the Cardinals because uh, Kian mentioned them there Sam I don't I don't have any I think they've been pretty impressive okay so they're playing bad teams but they are um, putting up points at a historic uh, rate at the moment Carson Palmer looks absolutely amazing they've added really good stuff on both sides of the ball and it looks like it's all coming together for Bruce Arians yeah and Fitzgerald has been uh, yeah reborn he looks completely different last year they kicked him inside the slot a lot and it kind of looked like a desperate way of getting a guy who couldn't get it done anymore just some playing time you know trying to scheme him open and, and get him the ball still and i think there was a game against seattle in particular where i think they basically ran him on a really quick shallow drag gave him the ball for like a yard just to get him a catch because he had this you know historic streak of consecutive games with a catch and it just looked like he was done. Only now, he's still playing in the slot the same amount, but he looks like a guy who's supposed to be there. It's like he's he's developed into this really effective slot weapon in the way that Marcus Colston has been for years in, in New Orleans, where he's the kind of bigger, stronger, tougher um, slot receiver, you know, as opposed to the, the small Wes Welker, Julian Edelman types. Um, and Carson Palmer is, is loving having him there because they don't have the kind of great Gronk-type tight end, so they're using Fitzgerald almost as a substitute for that, and they still have the speed and the deep shots on the outside. That offense looks really formidable, despite the fact that the you know guys like Mikey Patty has, has been injured, um, and they haven't kind of they haven't had everything mm. that go the way they wanted to go. Ellington as well, yeah, they didn't miss Ellington at all last week, um, Keen. That's kind of one of the things that I don't know if it's a hallmark of good coaching or not, but certainly in any sport where you can pick somebody up who, you know, survives a drive-by shooting in the summer and everybody thinks he's on the scrap heap and Chris Johnson and turn him into somebody who is a viable starting... Uh, OK, in this position, it's a running back, but that's a good sign of uh, an organisation doing things right. 
Yeah, well, this sport, more than any in the world, shouldn't really even have analysts because you see stuff like Chris Johnson where <laughs> the guy looks like he couldn't run anymore. He looks like he didn't know where the end zone was. And then he turns up in in in, in Arizona, doesn't play the first couple of preseason games and because he was injured. I think he was dealing with a hamstring or a groin. And people are saying, oh, he's probably not even going to make the roster. Then, of course, Ellington gets injured. He's on the field and he's performing just because Rosarians or whatever reason or whatever reason they make him make him run properly. Because Johnson was a guy who was always talented, but he just stopped going in the right direction, basically, yeah. after a couple of years. Once he got paid, once he was getting hit too much. And this revival, honestly, I could give you reasons why, but to me it makes no sense and there, I can't explain it. There was one unbelievable um, bit where he just put his toe in the turf and turned direction and the entire 49ers defence glided the other way and he was like well thanks very much there's a 50 yards up thanks very much it was brilliant it was really and it was good to see that uh, this can actually happen one final thing I want to talk to you about before I let you both go here is um, the Seahawks so you know give the ball to Marshawn and they're the Super Bowl champions everybody seems to now agree that that's uh, how history would have worked out for them Sam but they haven't started this season very well and there's a little bit of like stuff just clogging their pipes at the moment their offensive line is just so unbelievably broken. Um, you know, they made a conscious decision in the offseason that they were going to sacrifice their best offensive lineman and Max Unger and package a first-round pick to get Jimmy Graham. And it, at the moment, it looks like a really bad move because they haven't really worked out how to get Jimmy Graham the ball at all or how to use him. They're, they're trying to use him as a conventional inline tight end, which is that's just a terrible idea. They're, and they've sacrificed offensive line play which wasn't exactly a strength to begin with uh, to get it done. So I think that offensive line is bad enough that it might really cost them a chance at the Super Bowl. The defense is still going to be awesome. You know, Lynch, when he's healthy, when he gets back fit, is still going to be able to get stuff done. Maybe they'll work out how to use um, Jimmy Graham and how to get Tyler Lockett the ball. But that offensive line is going to be a thorn in their side the entire year. Is, um, is Russell Wilson good enough? To deal with that the way that some other of the absolutely elite quarterbacks are, Cian? Not right now, he's not. He has played like he can in the past, but since the year they won the year they won their first Super Bowl, he was pretty brilliant throughout the regular season and then he kind of went into his shell a bit during the playoffs, played well again in the Super Bowl. But since then he's playing with such hesitation where receivers are getting open and he's not throwing them the ball and said he's dropping his eyes and running from even when he has protection in clean pockets. So you can't really expect him to turn it around. In Seattle, they have a, an offensive line coach called Tom Cable, who everyone in the league loves for some reason. And to me, it's just bizarre because he seems to believe that he can take guys who are just athletes, guys who can't block and who can't play well in any kind of facet at all, and he can turn them into great players or even into serviceable players. And you just watch the line, and none of them know what they're doing. None of them are able to to play with technique or to play together or even just to just to pick up a man when, when that's their assignment. And you're kind of wondering why Tom Cable is so praised and why people don't talk about the offensive line enough. And they're, they're starting to know because it's showing up, but it's been a problem for a while and it's been getting worse for a while. I should also um, briefly mention that the Pete Carroll coaching tree has got off to a good start in Atlanta at the Falcons there. Um, they found a way to make Julio Jones into the superstar number one. Uh, and Devontae Freeman. Yeah, well, yeah, that's unbelievable. <laughs> Um, so like Atlanta were this kind of uh, you know hard luck story two two and a half years ago everybody thought that they were going to be contenders last year they obviously went in the tank but maybe there is a potential for a quick turnaround somewhere like this Sam yeah they, the biggest thing they did was upgrade the coaching on both sides of the ball so they, they've changed schemes they brought in new coaches 
um, Kyle Shanahan's scheme on the offense and, and Dan Quinn on the, the defense. And it's just completely transformed the roster. You know, they've added some decent players. But, you know, you just only have to look at the, the kind of transformation that a guy like Jake Matthews has had, um, who was probably the worst offensive tackle in the NFL last season as a rookie, has only allowed one pressure so far this year. Look, he's one of the best tackles out there. And that, that scheme is, you know, it, it's made Matt Ryan look fantastic. It's given them a running game. It's turned Julio Jones into basically an unstoppable force because he's one-on-one covered the entire time. And the defense put in a more beneficial scheme looks far better. Guys, that's all your time for. Good to have you back. Thanks a million for joining us. You too. See ya. All right, that's um, Keen and Sam with us here on the podcast. Uh, still to come, we're going to bring you some of our awful picks for the weekend, stuff you should avoid, and some fantasy nonsense with uh, Donnie Mahoney. So welcome along to uh, part two of our um, NFL podcast here in Off the Ball. We promised you some hot, hot, hot Donny Mahoney accent, Ax- action, and accent, I guess, and accent. But uh, he stood us up. He's gone to some play because that's kind of that's the kind of lame American he is. He comes over here, he samples our culture, and he gets his ass handed to him by us in uh, fantasy on a semi-regular basis. Yeah. One of the worst fancy teams I've ever seen. He's building for 2024, I he, think. He keeps getting lucky because the waiver wire the first six weeks of the season is exactly where you want to be first on it. And he's going to be first on it for the first six weeks of the season, <laughs> it looks like. He's 0-3 in our fantasy league. Yeah. I'm 3-0. I had an awful um, game against James O'Connor this week that uh, he my ass was handed to me, I, which I, I'm not used to in that league. I'm normally pretty good in it. I started off really well. Everything was going normal, normal, normally. And then... Colin Kaepernick, who's always been the weak link of my team, throws two pick sixes in his first two throws. And things kind of went downhill from there. And then Matt Forte, obviously, was playing on the zero points uh, Chicago Bears. Yeah, so... And uh, my Miami Dolphins defense got me minus six points. Okay, so that's (laughs) minus nine. Or did Kaepernick... Kaepernick ended up with three points. He got a lot of garbage time stuff. Um, Yeah, now, in fairness, I did offer you the Derek Carr about four weeks ago for Colin Kaepernick straight up trade. You're like, no way. This guy's shit. This is going to be awful. Why would mm-hmm. I ever give up? Kaepernick was okay my first two rounds. You turned your nose up at it. but I'm maybe starting Mike Vick this week. I'm not going <laughs> to. Well, there you go. You also, <laughs> you also had LeGarrette Blunt on your bench. Yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah. Alfred, Alfred Morris getting one point definitely didn't help me either, actually. he's He looks like he's gone. Could be. Could be. Uh, yeah. Could be third choice. But in fairness, I don't feel any sympathy with you having Lagarde Blunt on your bench because James, you had Devonta Freeman with 37 points on his bench. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, I was in another league, right, where I had um, Randall off the uh, Cowboys. Oh, uh, yeah. And, First uh, quarter, 36 uh, points And up. Matt Ryan. And I was up against Devonta Freeman and Julio Jones. It was the most ridiculous. And he had Dalton, who went absolutely crazy in the fourth quarter and kept getting like 75-yard touchdowns. Yeah. It was the craziest game ever. We had two, I think we had the two of the top three scores in the league and I lost I'm 0-3 this spot but I'm I'm happy with my comeback in that league I had uh, Andy Dalton Julio Jones on my team and um, just about beat Billy Joe Padden in that league there was there was a crazy crazy like half an hour on red zone where yeah the Jones just kept making massive plays and then you then it would just skip to Dalton making a massive throw of like 60 yards to AJ Green. I was like, I just can't take this anymore. Yeah, I was very worried coming into the season having uh, Andy Dalton as my quarterback. I was like, this is not good. Um, Actually, do you know who was a fantasy guy? 
Yeah, yeah, but you're happy with Dalton now. Sorry, he's totally transformed. Yeah, yeah. It's a, he's, well, he's got everybody's so playing and everybody's fit and everybody's yeah. playing really well. Health warning associated with the Bengals, Bengals from the lads earlier, and with the Cardinals. Who I was just about to mention because I've got uh, Carson Palmer sitting on my bench. Ooh, in, in, in yeah, I'm trying to trade him actually because I've got Matt Ryan. But I was thinking like, oh, I'm trying to trade him because it's short term. But I watched a bit of that game and like some of his trolls, he's. So it reminds me, Kurt Warner went and reinvented himself, went, reinvented and had the best time of his career when he was kind of old at Arizona. Well, maybe maybe Palmer was doing the same thing because there was a throw, I don't know if you've seen it, where it was in the in the first quarter where he threw it like, you know, a 50-yard throw into the corner right into John Brown, John Brown's arms and Brown missed it because the corner jumped up. But I've never seen a more accurate throw. It was insane. It was right on the numbers, like yeah, over um, two guys. Uh, well... So I listened to this Better Rivals podcast. They, I presume they do it for every team, but the two guys who do the 49ers one are unbelievably proficient at explaining very detailed and ordinarily quite difficult things to understand. And it turns out the 49ers just not putting any pressure on him. So he's got all day. Okay. He's literally got all day. He's going, oh, which of these which of these 12 guys who are open am I going to throw the ball to? Yeah. Uh, so there's a bit of a health warning with that. Yeah, so if he's going to step up into the pocket and have all day and no pressure, any any. Yeah. A professional NFL level quarterback can probably throw it accurately. Now they did point out that uh, the average winning margin in the Cardinals for the first three weeks is a you know record breaking. Yeah. Who else did they play? They beat the Bears. Did they play the Raiders as well? I know they played the first I week. I remember now. I've had them picked all three weeks in this though. Yeah, and they've come true for me each time. They've been pretty good. The I think they're the first team to go to start three and zero in two consecutive seasons in. Fifteen years or something. I like think that, that um, I should have that stuff. I think that they're going to finish the one or two seeds, and I wouldn't be terribly surprised to see them in the championship game. Yeah, I, I said that in I think the first pod that we do that they're they're the sleeper. I think they're the. I think I can see them winning that division ahead of the Seahawks. Well, they and would, it's the Packers. I think are the favourites. Obviously, they have a good early two game lead. Now this weekend, uh, the Cardinals are at the Rams. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if you know the division rivalry somehow slows the gallop in a way that the 49ers couldn't possibly do. We should no. talk about last week's picks before we blather on about fantasy. Who are you they playing were, this week? They were done offline, the the picks last week. But yeah. They were done. They were done. Who, uh, who am I playing this week? Um, playing I don't know. Ooh. Currently projected to beat him by 20 points. All my players are playing tonight, though. I've, I'm really all in on Pittsburgh. I've got Ooh. Vic... Bell and I've even got the kicker because my Cody Parkey randomly went on IR for some reason during the week. Um, Eagles kicker. I'm up Scobie. against Yeah, Scobie. This Scobie. Scobie. Uh, I'm up against Anthony Moyles and I've just traded him Charles Clay. <laughs> yeah. So if, if Charles Clay scores five points this week, I am screwed. Just just put this out to the the three people who tweet this podcast, right? Because you disagree with it, and give a fair enough reason. You traded him Charles Clay for Chris Ivory. No, I traded and. and Ben. I traded Charles Clay and Derek Carr. Yeah. For Roethlisberger, who's out for 10 weeks, and Chris Ivory, who was benched last week, even though he was fit. Okay. I've taken a risk on Ivory, and Roethlisberger will be good next okay, year. Okay, I didn't realise Ivory was benched. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, he was like, oh, he's being rested for further stuff down the line. All right, for Wembley so, this week. Yeah, he's we, going to run amok. We'll wait and see. Anyway, Charles Clay is not very good. Charles Clay is brilliant. 
I've I've had many's a dance with Charles Clay in fantasy ah. when he was in Miami. I've no interest. He won me the league last year, so um, I'll always have room in my heart for him. <laughs> He's picks, gone now. <laughs> our picks last week. Mahoney's not here. He picked uh, the Bucks plus six and a half. I think they lost by ten. Yeah, so that was the Pats minus thirteen and a half, which was a good easy. bet. And the Seahawks minus fourteen and a half, which was also a good yeah. bet. They went twenty four nil, two and one. The Pats won by they dropped a fifty burger on the. Uh, Jaguars. Jaguars. Uh, I picked the Steelers plus one. They won. I don't yeah. remember who they're. They won like twelve six or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, against, against the Rams. The Rams. Yeah. The Cardinals minus six and a half against the Forty ers That was easy that was money. Easy money. And the Chargers plus two and a half. The Chargers just imploded last week. Yeah. They got annihilated. I have no they idea were what happened. Shocking. Against Minnesota, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't see yeah. any of it. No, uh, well, from what I just saw, bits and reds on. They weren't too interested in that game, but all day was uh, pretty good. Yeah. The wages, nice. the wages of sin are must, yeah, massive he, I, I, I may have picked them number one in the league I don't know if that's uh, okay or not you picked Detroit plus three that was a terrible pick I didn't realise how bad Detroit actually are they were hammered Denver yeah they are pretty awful um, the Cars minus six and a half as well and the Steelers minus one so you just copied yeah. me and that was yeah, except I had two less points on the Steelers than you but anyway that's fine I picked late yeah that's right Yeah. Uh, so we all went 2-1, two 2-1, and one, two and one, two and one, which means that you and me are still uh, Game and a half ahead of Donny? I think so, yeah. I couldn't find the table, unfortunately. In this, uh, <laughs> We were so busy looking for Donny and trying did, to arrange a time that I couldn't get organised. Did he make his pick? He didn't yet. I'll get it off him and we'll um, we'll verify the, that he didn't hear this first. Okay. So my first pick is the Packers minus eight at the 49ers. <laughs> oh, we could have similar picks again this week. Uh, I think that's a hard one not to pick, though, the, isn't it? San Francisco 49ers um, are up against a quarterback who's playing as well as any quarterback has ever played in the history of football and they have not got a fucking clue <laughs> how to defend. Yeah, uh, for all my praise of Carson Palmer uh, earlier on, look what Carson Palmer did to them. What's Aaron Rodgers going to do? Yeah, uh, I'd say he'll do something fairly similar because you, know, you would expect that there'll be like a five or ten point bump but Kaepernick is also awful at the moment. Their offensive line is a disaster so you could expect the Packers D to put up good numbers in fantasy as well and you'd expect the Packers to win by... 10 to 14 points if they pull up in yeah. the second half as yeah. they bench uh, their quarterback at halftime. That'll be another reason not to pick too many Packers in your team this week uh, as a matter of interest. The Eagles, wow. right? Um, listening to those boys expand about why it's a complete disaster for uh, for you picked them as well. I do, but I actually have four picks. So I'm going to leave out the Eagles because okay. of this, yeah. Uh, I've decided that it's a good idea that Chip has full control it lives or dies by him there is at least an overarching philosophy and uh, things started to go their way last week a little bit as yeah. in they got off the board and they have one running back who's good and they're picking him and it's going to be the same this week Matthew's going to play the whole game I think so so Murray is not going to play well I think he's going to be benched again because he's injured right um, yeah see I always liked Matthews actually uh, Matthews was a guy who you'd have on your fancy team totally. and Happily. he'd He'd always get you the solid kind of eighty-five yards and get you the odd touchdown, but um, yeah, I kind of I thought it was strange that he was picked up as a backup, but uh, they definitely look like a more solid team. And you've also got like Sproles for the exciting. Oh, he's been brilliant. Returns yeah. and just exciting players in general. I don't know. I think I would think that's a pretty good pick, but I'll leave it out just because you have it. And I'm going to go with the Steelers. <laughs> I'm glad I changed it. So plus three. <laughs> that's insane. Now, by the time most people hear this podcast, this result will be known because yeah. it's tonight. But um, Michael Vick's Pittsburgh Steelers, the Owen Tree hapless, or hosting the Owen Tree hapless 
Baltimore Ravens. Are you picking the Steelers as well? Yeah. Okay, well, I'll, I'll forego that, and I'm going to go with the Cardinals, and I'm going to go for them to go 4-0, Ooh, and okay. I'm going to go for them to win by more than seven points at home against the Rams, thinking that the Steelers beat the Rams by six points with uh, Big Ben missing most of the game. Mm-hmm. Did he miss most of the game? Or mm-hmm. was um, no, it was It was about, I think it was in the second half. Maybe the first half, late in the first half, but it was, uh, that game was kind of going nowhere yeah. anyway. So I think the Cardinals... And they've got Levy and Bell with a game under his belt now good. as well. Antonio Brown. I The Cardinals... I'm oh, sorry, this is Pittsburgh that I was talking up there. Yeah, I, I've, it actually hurt me not to go with the Cardinals. I just think the division game and the Rams have a pretty good defense. They might just like give yeah. them a little bit less time, you know. I, I, yeah, I can see the case for that. That's why I wanted to go with the Steelers, but just change things okay, up a little bit. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take the Steelers plus three for all the obvious reasons. I think that, like you know, that's a big drop of quarterback, but you know, and and it is that famous game between the two of them. It's Thursday night is a trap game, but like they, you can't have them plus three at home. I mean, you just have to take it. Uh, I'm going to leave the Eagles as well for the same reason is because you already have them. I'm going to definitely take them to Packers minus eight, and I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons minus six and a half at home to the Houston Texans. Falcons have looked really good <laughs> so yeah, far, yeah. and that offense is electric at the moment. And they probably have Coleman back. If not, Freeman is doing a pretty good job anyway. Uh, Texans aren't that good, it turns out. No, and that's it. Like I mean, the Texans defense will obviously stymied them a little bit but I don't think the Falcons D is as bad as it was although maybe I, Dallas did run all over them yeah for like one quarter and then they fixed it didn't they yeah well it was, they did really run all over them though yeah <laughs> uh, yeah actually my talking about this pick means uh, they had four rushing touchdowns in the first quarter or maybe in the first half yeah let me talk you out of that one yeah, but I've already picked it, so we'll we'll stick with it. So Falcons minus six, Steelers plus three, Packers minus eight, and we'll get Donnie's picks. Yeah, all right. So that's pretty much all we've got time for. Uh, have a good fantasy weekend this weekend, whatever you're doing. If you have any questions for us, you uh, can hit us on Twitter at uh, Off The Ball. He's at McCarthy Mick. I'm at Jar Gilroy. Uh, what's Mahoney's name? Is he at Donnie Mahoney? Donnie Mahoney. All right, we'll see you next week. Good luck.